Welcome to Food is Not a Four-Letter Word, the podcast where you ditch the diet drama, banish body shame, and reclaim your life, all while creating a body you love. When it comes to body drama, your host, Carmela Romalia, has been there, done that, has the t-shirt, and wrote the books. And now, here's Carmela. Hello, hello, my friends. It's me, Carmela, from Happy Calories Don't Count, with episode number 24 of the Food Is Not a Four-Letter Word podcast. How are ya? So, this is going to be one doozy of an episode. Uh, so let's get this party started with our three deep breaths, shall we? Let's take a deep breath in and exhale. And again, take a deep breath in and exhale. And last one, all the way down to your toes, a deep breath. and exhale all the stale, yucky air out of your body. Woo. Good job. Thank you so much for playing along with me. So for those of you who are new friends out here on podcast land, yes, I can speak. Um, I do these three deep breaths at the beginning of each episode to ground myself and to help you ground yourself and to model for, for you how easy it is for you to take a beat, take a breath, and potentially change your life. I mean, really, that's it's that simple. Uh, to come from a place of purpose and empowerment rather than move through life from a place of reaction. And so at any given moment, at any time, regardless of the situation or circumstance, you can come back to your center, come back to your source just by taking that beat and taking that breath. That half a second gets you time to recalibrate. And there is something magical about the breath of life. You know, physiologically, it does things. Breath is important. So many good reasons. Now, this episode is one that I've been wanting to do for a long time. Um, so let me do some quick disclaimers first. Um, I I have a tendency to go full Carmella. <laughs> uh, I am very passionate about such topics as healing all of the pain, shame, and drama around food, exercise, body, and weight, body image, eating disorders, all of that stuff. All of the content I share with you is original content based on healing my own pain, shame, and drama around my body and my weight. And so I am very passionate, and I will get up on my high horse, and I will call stuff out, and I will get snarky. And if I am snarky, I am never snarky to you personally. I am never snarky to your pain. I get it. I understand how deeply cutting and painful and soul-sucking all of this junk can be. And so when I get snarky, I'm snarky at the mindsets that are keeping you stuck, the perspectives that are keeping you stuck, all of the junk that keeps you stuck. That's where I get angry. And that's that's what that snark is directed to if I end up going down one of those tangents and going full Carmela this episode. That is why I also speak stream of conscious. Um, I just turn on the microphone. I've got an idea of what I want to talk about, and I let the muse speak. Uh, and because I do that, you know, I will garble my words and I will jumble my words and say ums and you knows and whatevers uh, because my brain is processing faster than my mouth can speak. Uh, so I I do this because... I, again, I, I know, I know how painful, like soul sucking, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, and physically painful all of this drama around food, exercise, your body, and your weight is. It is literally robbing you of life, robbing you of, of the quality of your life, robbing you of energy, of life experience, all of that stuff. And so my little my little ding in the universe to, you know, reference a Steve Jobs saying, um, putting my little ding in the universe is 
through my hellish experiences, I have come to a place of peace and freedom around food, exercise, my body, and my weight. I eat whatever I want, whenever I want. I move my body in ways that feel good to me. And people tell me I look pretty darn good, especially given my age. Um, and because I have healed myself of that, I have all of this extra bandwidth. I mean, it's crazy. All of this extra energy, this emotional energy, spiritual energy, mental energy, physical energy, and I'm more efficient at my day-to-day -day life. And and I just have all of this extra, extra bandwidth, extra love, extra stuff to give to the world. And so I, my little ding is I'm doing this with happy calories. And it's my intention that helping you heal all of your junk around food, exercise, your body, and your weight will free up that bandwidth for you. And then you have all of that extra energy, that extra space, that extra love that you can engage with life in a more happy, fulfilling, productive, constructive way, whether it just be, you know, more fun that you have in life, whether it is, you know, raising happy, wonderful, healthy children, whether it is volunteering or engaging in your community or at the for the world at large, whether it is being more productive at work, getting some random awesome idea that gives you this awesome promotion, you know, whatever it is, that's that's how I hope to have my little ding and ripple effect out into the universe. And this is a topic that has been on my mind lately and and I, I need to kind of untangle it somehow for you. And I'm not quite sure if I'll be successful or not. So, so you know, I can always just trash this recording. I don't actually need to put it up there, right? Um, so I'm going to do my best to try to untangle a lot of stuff that I see going on in the world. Now, this show, this podcast, Food is Not a Four-Letter Word, is about healing and transforming all of the pain, shame, and drama we have around our body and our weight and, you know, letting us engage with life. I've got five steps that I'll go over really quickly with you, but I'm not going to go into detail with them about them right now because I've got other episodes and a webinar and all sorts of different things that where you can get that kind of information. But just, you know, so you don't feel like I'm leaving anything out, the five steps of the happy calories don't count method are one, embrace a model of alignment, two, connect with your body, three, enjoy your food, four, exercise every day to connect with and tune your body, and five, clear the channel. Happy Calories Don't Count is a relationship-based approach to healing all of the pain, shame, and drama you have around your body and your weight versus the transaction-based model of diet and exercise that sets up the idea of calories or as a currency of exchange and that you have to pay a price to eat and it disconnects you from your body and it creates all of that dysfunction. So that's the quick overview of that. Because Happy Calories is a relationship-based model, it's really, it, that, that's the, the hardest thing mentally to kind of do is to switch that idea from a transaction-based model to a relationship-based model. And so I will speak to other things going on. Um, and especially right now in the current moment, we got a we got a lot of stuff going on in the world right now. Oh, oh my goodness. Um, and so this isn't any sort of political statement on, on the show one way or another. It's not about picking sides or promoting a side or of, of whether it is about uh, politics or the pandemic or God or science or any of that kind of stuff. What I hope to do is to use what's going on in the world right now, since we're all kind of experiencing it together, to pull apart this idea of relationship and help you kind of see how these similar dynamics and, and other, other parallel types of relationships and, and communication styles can, can be applied across the disciplines. And so if you are successful at it in one area of life, well, then you've, you've already got a win. And you can use that 
uh, that skill set that you've developed in that one area of your life and apply it to your body. And if you happen to be doing okay with your body and you're figuring this stuff out because you've listened to enough podcasts and you've read my books and you've seen the YouTube channel and, you know, you may maybe have even talked to me personally, you know, whatever it is, and, and you seem to be doing okay, but you still like to tune in with the podcast, but there's another area of your life, you know, that, that friend that's on the other side of the issue, regardless of whatever it is you it is, what side it is, um, there are still these skills and tools that we can use to create more effective communication, to bring healing and transformation to yourself, to your body, to the relationship with your friend, and hopefully to the world at large. I know I just set myself up. I just set myself up for failure with that one. Let's let's create world peace. Um, yeah, I'm going to try. I'm going to do my best. Um, and something that's been uh, running in the back of my mind uh, is I just I see so much confusion and so much anger and so much fear and so much pain going on right now that people can't even talk to each other, you know, really. And so the I, the thing that kept coming back to me, kept coming back into my head was that rather than let our differences divide us, let's let our similarities unite us. And that is a really big ask. <laughs> and it's also a really difficult thing to even attempt to do in the current climate with the quick little Twitter feed and the social media blast and the headline here. And again, it, it doesn't matter what side of any issue you're on, whichever issue it might happen to be. All of this stuff is similar dynamics. Um, but what happens is that there is going to be a specific word in the headline that creates an energetic emotional trigger in you. Uh, and it also will create some sort of label. And there are a whole lot of labels around all sorts of different, different industries, different topics, different situations. And I had heard somewhere, I don't remember where, so I'm sorry I can't credit whoever actually said this, um, but the idea that is to label something or someone is to be able to dismiss it. And I think that is one of the big problems going on in the world right now is that we hear somebody say something that is maybe different than our perfect point of view, whatever that is. And maybe they're 80% there, maybe they're 80% in agreement, but they said that one thing. Um, or maybe maybe they're completely opposite of what we might think. Um, and But because we have identified this person either via via some sort of label, whether it is, you know, a political type of label, like this person is a Republican or a Democrat or a conservative or a liberal, or this person is um, a science denier, or this person is an anti-vaxxer, or this person is um, a, a Christian, or this person is a Jesus freak, or, you know, what whatever the, the label is that you want to put on the person, what happens is that label gets attached and then anything and then that that label gets attached and that person is dismissed they're categorized and they're dismissed so no one's hearing anything that person is saying because whatever they are saying is now null and void because of the label and that is a really 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 big thing for me and it has absolutely nothing to do with politics or the current moment it's i was the anorexic I was the girl that had the eating disorder. That was my label, anorexic, eating disorder, uh, crazy. You know, that, that, that's what they like to call me. They like to call me crazy. Um, and so I, I had fought that label so much because as soon as anyone, any kind of medical professional, um, whether it was a physical medical doctor or whether it was a psychiatrist or a counselor or anything like that, they would see that label in my chart and then make all sorts of assumptions about me and then not actually listen to what I was saying. 
and that really <clears throat> irked me. <laughs> I'm going to try not to have potty mouth. Really pissed me off. Um, so I so I I understand that what this is about, and actually the the labeling thing was is in retrospect it it's something that i fought and i fought and i fought and i fought and i fought but in retrospect it's something that allows me in my position now as the happy calories don't count person to be able to help you navigate your stuff because what would happen is i would be in therapy uh, or I'd be in the hospital, one of my many stints in the hospital, you know, trying to explain to the doctors, look, I'm doing this diet and exercise program and I'm not getting results. I'm not, I'm doing this diet and exercise program and I'm not losing weight. Or I'm doing this diet and exercise program and I'm gaining weight. And that that is like, wouldn't you think that was a legitimate thing? Like, hey, if you're dieting and you're exercising, but you're gaining weight, um, that that doesn't really go according to common convention. So so that's a puzzle. Let's try to figure out what's happening. Let's try to address this or correct this. But instead, what they would do is they would see in my chart that I had had an eating disorder or that I they think that I still have an eating disorder. So they would assume that I would have an eating disorder. And then they would say that, well, you just have body dysmorphia. And, you know, and so I would get written off when the the point is, hello, people, I, I'm doing what you're telling me to do, but what you're telling me to do isn't working. So something's wrong. Something's got to give. Right. So this idea of labeling somebody and then just being able to dismiss it is a really huge deal. And I know I've been guilty of it myself as much as I hate it. And so I'm sure that at one point or another in your life, you've also probably done it yourself. And so I would just like to call your attention to that uh, because to let our similarities unite us in this current moment, rather than let our differences divide us, what's happening is the labeling is letting our differences divide us. And um, I don't know where you are in the world, uh, but I'm here in Seattle. <laughs> and it's not so fun here in Seattle. Uh, and uh, so we are in a place where the governor has the vax mandates and the vax passport and the mask mandates everywhere. And at a time in time and space where the rest of the world is opening up, you know, you've got countries all over the world that are dropping their mandates, their vax mandates, their vax passports, their mask mandates. Even places in America are dropping even the mask mandates. You know, I think only last time I checked, it was four, it was 10 states um, had the mask mandates. At a time when the world is opening up, my little corner of the universe, everybody's doubling down. They're doubling down on the fear. They're doubling down on the masks. And I have a theory about that. Um, actually, it's not really a theory um, as a in, in terms of like what a scientific theory is. I, I should call it a hypothesis. I have a hypothesis about what this is. And um, so I so Seattle is a very, it is a very ed, like quote unquote educated place. We are tech central. We've got Amazon, we've got Microsoft, we've got Google, we've got Expedia, we've got Oracle, we've got all these tech startups. We are tech, 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 tech central. And so everywhere you turn around, you've got these people that are very um, educated and tech science or oriented. UW Medical Center is one of the, you know, top hospital. Oh, I just bumped the mic. Uh, UW Medical Center is one of the top hospitals in the country. Uh, we also have a bit, a lot of biotech here. So people are really focused on science. And I, I don't know if, if it's just that the people are also focused on science and tech, but coincidentally or because of or whatever, we are a very secular uh, society in this part of the country. I Someone told me once that we're like number two in empty churches. Like we've got all of these churches all over town that are all empty. Um, and it's really fascinating to me because uh, again this idea of of labeling and then dismissing 
And so when it really comes down to trying to get our similarities to unite us, what's happening, I think one of the biggest divisive issues is this whole thing, science versus God. You know, we, we've got the people who tend in general, you know, in, te- in general tend to be more left-leaning, more liberal types of people. And they tend to be in, you know, the arts space and in the tech space and things like that. And they tend to be very sciencey and tend to be very secular. And then you've got the people who in general, you know, tend to be more conservative, tend to be more um, religious in nature, tend to have that kind of idea. And, And it seems like this science versus God thing, um, science versus religion thing, is um, one of those sticking points that's just letting people write the other side off without really really having a conversation and really coming to understand the other person's point of view or or what they're really trying to say. It's just like someone I and I and I've watched it. You know, I, I've watched it in conversations at, at the studio. I've watched it in conversations at other other events or out in public or whatever. That someone will say the word God in their sentence and then the other person kind of does an eye roll. Like, oh, you're you said God, you're one of those people. Okay, you know, whatever. And then totally dismisses everything that person has to say. And then it goes the other way too. You know, someone else will say something about, you know, masks keeping us safe from the the pandemic or whatever. And then the person on the other end of the conversation just kind of rolls their eyes and dismisses that person. And it's this dismissiveness that I think is the problem. You know, I I don't I don't think that I don't think that there is any kind of problem that we can't solve if we work together to solve the problem. And I think what's happening is in this this climate, this culture that we've created, it ha- we we dismiss each other a lot. And why I think this resonates with me a lot, I think, like I mentioned before, I I understand what it's like to be labeled um, and then dismissed based on a label. But also, when you're talking about science versus God or God versus science or whatever, that that conversation, it meets in your body. That's where that real dance happens. That's what happy calories don't count is about, you know, so that that's why I think this is a big deal and why I want to address it on a food is not a four letter word podcast, because this is the stuff that we're talking about. So we are. So if if you're listening, like if you if you've even listened to any of my podcasts, you've read my books, if you've sought me out or was Google searching and then somehow stumbled upon me um, and, and it was on your behalf, like you were looking for me and you found me somehow, I'm guessing, I'm guessing it's because you got a lot of pain, shame, and drama around food, exercise, your body, and your weight, and you're tired of it. So I'm guessing you've done the diets and you haven't been able to make them work or you haven't been able to make them work long-term or, you know, some something's fishy going on, right? Because you know, lose weight, you just do the diet and then you just stay on the diet. You know, it's science, right? Calories in versus calories out. And even if we know that it's not just about calories, well, you know, there's there's nutrition stuff. You just got to get the right food. You got to get the good food. You got to eat right for your blood type. You got to, you know, you, you just got to do all this sciencey stuff, right? Um, or you, you know, maybe food isn't necessarily an issue, but you know, you just, ha- you just can't get around to exercising. And, you know, for whatever reason that is, you just can't motivate yourself to get to the gym or whatever. Or maybe you do do the exercises, but you just can't, you know, is, is, are you doing enough cardio? Are you getting your VO2 max in the right, 
the right place? Are you hitting that every workout? You know, are you are you getting the the lean muscle mass built up so that you can increase your metabolism so you can you know do all that stuff? And I think it's Rocky Three. I was gonna I was gonna look it up before I jumped on um, into the studio and I didn't. But um, Rocky, I think it's Rocky Three. It, it you know Rocky versus the Russian guy and the Russian guy has all the state of the art you know the the little training thing on the treadmill and the punching bags and everything's really science based state of the art and he's just you know fine tuning his body and then to to train for the big fight and then over here's Rocky and and Rocky's out in the snow and he's lugging logs up the snow and doing pull ups on tree branches and things like that and then of course. Rocky wins, you know, because that's that's the way a Rocky movie has to go. But again, it's just showing you that 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 idea that we we put so much faith into science, it's almost like it's its own religion. Thank you. <laughs> that's what I was trying to say. You know, we we put we make a religion out of science just as much. There's a, a science religion and then there's a God religion. And and because people are are buckling down into their different religions, we can't really have a conversation. Now, you've heard me before on other shows, you know, talk about this thing, debunking the idea of science around your body, right? And I'm not anti-science whatsoever. Science is great. Science is awesome. You know, with all of the science that we have, we have Google Maps, <laughs> you know, like, I, I don't even need to, to really figure out or, well, I still like to know where I'm going. But you know that there, I, I can, I can see, oh, hey, there's an accident on 405. Let me take I-5 home. You know, there are all these really great things that we do with science. We have made tremendous um, progress in, in healing diseases, you know, and being able to help people with cancer and stuff. But again, it doesn't work for everyone. Just just like a diet doesn't work for everyone or a, or, or a weight loss program, an exercise program doesn't work for everyone. You know, you look on the, the bottle of a medication and there are all of these contraindications that say, do not take if, you know, A, B, C, D, X, Y, Z. Um, and and so there's this, this idea that people will either put their faith in science or they'll put their faith in God. And I'm trying to have us put our faith in the human spirit, <laughs> I guess, um, because through the human spirit, we can collaborate. Uh, and just to get back to that science thing with the weight loss, in case this is one of the the first episodes you've uh, listened to, listened to. So I had a conversation with some some young buck trainer guy uh, a couple of years ago. And it was so annoying uh, because I was trying to explain to him that, you know, it's not really about what you eat. It's about, you know, what you think, feel and believe about what you eat and that it's something that your body wants to eat and that all that you're congruent with yourself. Um, and he wanted to argue that no, 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 there's, you know, there are physiological biochemical reactions that happen in your body when you eat an apple. And those are different biological physiological um, reactions, chemical reactions that are going to occur in your body when you eat a cookie. You know, it is different. You just need to eat the good food, you know, blah, 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 blah. So I was venting to someone about that. And they turned me on to this, uh, this Dr. Aaliyah Crum out of Stanford University. And she's, she's known for studying, you can get the really um, esoteric version, you know, the the doctor speak version of how she she studies physiological mechanisms responding to psychological input or, you know, whatever it is. Basically, she's into the placebo effect. So the placebo effect, you know, it's it's like, well, um, they test people to see if the medication is really making the headache better or whether they think that taking medication is going to make the headache better. So, you know, they've got people with aspirin, they've got people with a sugar pill, you know, you got a headache, you take the you take the um, the aspirin or the sugar pill known as the placebo. And wouldn't you know it, there's a, 
a, a st statistically significant result indicating that there is a placebo effect with medicine that oftentimes people will feel better and get better by quote unquote taking medicine when the medicine wasn't really anything medicine. It was a sugar pill. It was nothing. It was just the thought that they were doing that was somehow helping the body heal and transform and feel better. And so Dr. Aliyah Crum wondered if that same principle applied with food. Spoiler alert. Yes, it does. So she did this milkshake experiment. Basically what she did is she got a big batch of milkshakes, you know, and then she divided it into two types of groups. And it's the exact same milkshake, exact same milkshake, but she labeled one as a super decadent high calorie milkshake. And then she labeled the other one as an ultra light fit skinny milkshake, you know, and then she had people draw blood and get their blood levels and whatever, and then go enjoy their milkshakes and then come back after they had their milkshakes and do draw the blood and, you know, do all of that stuff again. And wouldn't you know it, there was a difference. So, and it, and it doesn't really matter what the difference was. It's the fact that there was a difference between the two groups that by thinking that you had a decadent milkshake, gave you, gave the participants a statistically significant um, different type of uh, level in their ghrelin levels specifically than the people who were drinking the quote unquote skinny mini milkshakes. So your thoughts do matter. That's one of the things we talk about here in Happy Calories Don't Count. A cookie isn't just a cookie. A salad isn't just a salad. If you are struggling, if you've been dieting and you hate being on the diet, that diet ultimately isn't going to serve you. It, you won't get the results or the results aren't going to last because of your emotional and psychological state. I mean, how you think and feel and believe about things, it matters. It influences how you walk into situations, whether it is a relationship, an intimate relationship, a, a familial relationship, a work relationship. It influences how you, you know, drive your car. Your emo emotional, psychological, spiritual state affects everything, including your physiology. All right. So when people say it's just science, well, science isn't static. It is uniquely individual, specifically when we're talking about the body, right? If you're talking about science, science does really great stuff if they're going to say that water freezes at 32 degrees Fahrenheit or that water's going to boil at whatever it boils at or, you know, chemistry, chemical reactions. It's really, really good with those. When it comes to living things you know, that, that, that crazy God particle, that thing that, that people are trying to understand. When it comes to living things, there's a lot, a lot of gray area, right? And so the other, the flip side that I use for the example for the science and when it comes to the body thing is that weight training, uh, study and right now I don't remember the authors the the food one's always easy because I have so many so many more people hung up on food than they are on exercise so I've got Dr. Elias Crumb's name just you know like boom there in my brain but the guys that did this weight training um study it it escapes me right now but if you really want to know you know just message me call me text me ding me whatever and I will look it up and you can read the study for yourself um, but essentially what they did a bunch of researchers got a bunch of people together and took all of their their strength uh, numbers, like how much could they lift? What was the max they could lift? How many could, what was the max weight? What was the max reps? You know, all of that, all of the variables that they decided were important things to measure. And then they put this, this group of people on a 12-week weight training program. And then at the end of the 12 weeks, they measured all that same stuff again. Well, they had a very small percentage of people be what they called super responders. And those people really, really, really just gained tremendous amounts of strength through that. And so they had this very positive experience. So of course, they're going to be going around saying, yeah, man, lift those weights, completely changed my life, right? This is awesome. And then you had a bunch of people that, you know, made some gains. And it's like, yeah, I can see weightlifting. You know, it's good for me. It helps. And then you had a bunch of people that were kind of like, 
yeah, risk reward, you know, effort results. Uh, you know, I, I probably should. Yeah, okay, what, whatever. And then they had a whole bunch of people that either did not get any gains in strength or they actually lost gains. They, they, they went backwards in their strength abilities. So this stuff is real. This stuff happens. Your nervous system is very intimately, uh, it, it connects and, and influences all of the other things going on with your body. And science can't really explain that. I mean, they try. They try, but then, but then, you know, there's always this other little variable. And for science to actually be this, this scientific thing where you really get this result that you can count on, you have to control for just a very small set of variables. But you, you're not a small set of variables. Your body is a huge set of variables. And, and not only that, your body is not just your body. It's also your thoughts, feelings, and beliefs, and your spirituality, all of that stuff that, that Dr. Aaliyah Crum was talking about. So it's a complex system, right? And so in this complex system with happy calories, I talk about getting that system in an optimized state. And in the model of alignment that I've created for you, it's you get your thoughts and your feelings and your beliefs and your actions all lined up. And then that energy, maybe it's your metabolism, whatever it is, but those biological processes that run through you can run through you effectively and efficiently on your behalf. Now, when I'm speaking or I'm coaching and you've got the little picture of my model of alignment, you know, that that energy can be whatever you want it to be. So from this sciency background, what I was talking about, that 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 energy running through you could just be the bioelectrical impulses that animate the human body. From a different perspective, if you're one of those law of attraction people and you're really into the metaphysics of everything, notice how I just labeled you. The law of attraction, people. <laughs> um, so yes, I, I can label to identify, but then you don't label to dismiss, right? That there is there is a perspective and there is a framework and th there there is a conversation to be had around the idea of law of attraction, right? Now, if you fall into that camp, you know, then that that energy running through the system that is you is you're going to be calling it source energy because that that's the framework that you're working with. Now when I'm speaking with my faith-based my faith-based friends they refer to it as God. You know, because to them, you know, God is the animating and creating force of life. And so it it's really interesting how you know science and God kind of meet in the body. And, and that's why I'm really attuned to this stuff that's going on in the world right now and, and why I think it's just so important to take a beat, take a breath, and when you hear somebody say a word that would cause you to label them, to find, label, to identify, but don't dismiss what they're saying because what they're saying is coming from their point of view and you might actually learn something. And when it comes to this idea about letting our similarities unite us rather than our differences divide us, right? So I spoke on the previous episode about, you know, how I went to church, you know, a couple of Sundays ago and and it was a it was a random event in the universe. I'm not much of a churchgoer, but circumstances kind of prevent, presented themselves and so I ended up at church and it was actually really fun and uh ha it, it was a really fun time and I got a whole podcast out of it. I mean, how cool is that? But anyway, um some of the people in this particular congregation are, are speaking and they're like, we believe the Bible is the word of God. And so if you were someone that's going to say, oh, I disagree, well, then you're going to write that person off. I think that is missing an opportunity. Okay. So let me, let me 
take you down the path of how I might handle that. So just a little bit about of background about me. Uh, I My dad is Italian, so he's culturally Catholic, but I never went to mass growing up. I mean, my dad isn't a religious person. He, you know, gets gets religious about Easter, but then it's more about making sure we have Easter dinner just just right with all the traditional Italian foods, right? My mother um, was Lutheran, and she told me that she stopped going to church when she was 10, and she was never going to subject any child of hers to that hellfire and brimstone preacher. No, 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 no. So my sister and I didn't really grow up in any kind of religion. I went to Sunday school here and there with my friends, and I remember being a four-year-old, having my critical thinking skills (laughs) as a young child, and someone told me that God loves us so much that he sent his only child to die for us for our sins on the cross. Now, what the person was trying to impart is that God loves us above all. What I took away was what a horrible father. Like, what an awful daddy. He would do that to his own kid. I don't want anything at all to do with him, right? Um, This critical thinking of the four-year-old, out of the mouths of babes, you know, that kind of thing. And also, uh, I remember hearing that I... uh, that, that people used to tell me that if you didn't accept Jesus into your heart, then you were going to go to hell. And I was reading the Paddington Bear books at the time. And in the Paddington Bear books, they talk about deepest, darkest Peru because Paddington's from deepest, darkest Peru. And I just couldn't reconcile that in my head because like if God loved everybody, what about the people in deepest, darkest Peru that that didn't even know about Jesus? Well, God wouldn't send them to hell just because they lived in deepest, darkest Peru and didn't didn't know about them, right? So I, I have this, this critical thinking skill that I employ a lot in my life. And through my life, personally, through the hell I have been through, I have come to cultivate a relationship with an entity that is higher than myself. You know, I, if you call it the divine, if you call it God, if you call it my higher self, if you call it Jesus, I don't care what label you give it. There is this thing that I have had to cultivate for myself out of necessity to be able to survive and function in life. And I think what happens is that a lot of the people that are secular, more secular, you know, there has been a lot of pain caused by religion you know, a lot of wars, uh, a lot of devastation, and a lot of legitimate pain because people might think that they are bad or they're sinners or they're awful, and so God doesn't love them. They're rejected. Um, They're foibles, whether it is something, you know, about their sexuality or about, you know, their their mind or, you know, they might have some uh, a speaking impediment or, you know, they might have spidey senses and then, oh my gosh, that's of the devil. So I can see how there has been a lot of pain created by religion, by church, by that thing that a lot of the secular people would want to reject, right? And then there's also this point where if you are just growing up with God and you don't question anything, then the people who are of more of a more secular type of perspective are thinking, well, are you just gullible? You just believe in the Easter bunny? Or are you just going to do whatever you're told, you know, kind of thing? So I, I can see where there are these types of arguments. Then again, at the end of the day, you know, it doesn't matter what science has to offer. When it's your time to go, it's your time to go. You know, there there are miracles that save you. And then there are these these awful, tragic accidents that are just, you know, like acts of God. I mean, even insurance, insurance, fire, flood, all that kind of stuff. They they a lot of policies won't pay out for a quote unquote act of God, you know, this thing that you can't control. And so I I feel like this this is one of the deep sticking points deep in our cultural psyche right now. Um, 
And I'm speaking to it because it meets in your body, right? Science and God are meeting in your body. And that's what happy calories don't count is about. And so to get back to my church example, so some some of these people at this uh, event that I was at, they're like, well, the Bible is the word of God. Now, I could dismiss them and and then write them off and not be able to engage in communion or relationship with them because I don't agree with that specific perspective of how they spoke that word, the Bible is the word of God. I don't believe that quite so um, simply, but I'm trying to build a bridge, right? I want to let our similarities unite us. I don't want to just hear that and say, oh, well, I don't agree, so you're over there and I'm over here and now there's this great divide between us. I hear something like that and it's like, huh, well, I believe that the Bible could be the word of God, and I know that the Bible was written by humans and that humans can be flawed and humans are fallible. I also know from my studies of history, and I did go to Gonzaga, by the way, a Jesuit university, although, and I, I took a lot of religion classes and a lot of philosophy classes, um, and I think I went to mass twice the entire time I was there. Um, but anyway, uh, we know, you know, scholars and academics know that there are different versions of the Bible, that human beings have edited the Bible. So you've got the King James version of the Bible over here. You've got a different version of the Bible over here. Different versions of the Bible have different gospels in them. You know, so which specific word of God are you going to talk about? So I wouldn't use that to debate somebody and then dismiss their opinion what it is is where where can I see? Well, I can see I can get to the Word of God with some caveats. I've got some caveats, but okay, so the Bible is the Word of God. Now let's start a conversation. Now let's go down the rabbit hole. Um, and the same thing with with science, with with the people having you know the fake science or the real science and the opposite facts of science or whatever it is. What what is your where where's where is that coming from, you know? And where can you agree? And where can you start to drill down to get to the data underneath the science, or even the assumptions, the assumptions underneath the data, underneath the science? And again, this is a big one for happy calories don't count because that diet and exercise model that suggests that you have to pay a price to eat, and that price is exercise or weight gain. All of the dysfunction comes out of overriding your body's natural instincts because that model teaches you that you can't trust it. But also all of the quote unquote science and all of the quote unquote weight loss science and all of that comes from within that fundamental framework. And as you see with the happy calories don't count approach, as soon as you shift from a transaction-based model to a relationship-based model, you've got a different set of of variables you're dealing with. You've got a different set of parameters. You've got a different set of assumptions. You've got a different way of putting the puzzle together. And so I would just encourage you all, I guess, um, to take a beat, to take a breath, to give yourself some space and some grace, and then give other people some space and some grace. And when you see the Twitter, Twitter trolls, Twitter trolls, when you see the Twitter trolls, you know, they they are coming out of fear or they're coming out of a desire to stir something up. But, you know, we know that that's covering up something. So, so, so what's going on? How can we, how can we build bridges? How can we come together? How can we heal each other? And I don't think that science and God need to be mutually exclusive. And I think that in, in a way, I think that if we just give our give the other people the benefit of the doubt and go with an open heart trying to find common ground, we will be able to find it. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, it's it's the it's that sticking thing. It's like I'm just going through my head the the conversations that I witness or the exchanges that I witness, and and it seems at this point in the in 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 society, 
people might argue, but it's really the it's the religion of science versus the religion of God. And and the people who are very secular can't really wrap their head around the idea of God. There's this joke um, going around somewhere that is like a Jew and a Christian and a Muslim are all sitting around a, a table arguing over which one of their invisible friends is better or something like that. And what I would say to the people that are coming from the more secular point of view is that um, there are there are ways that people come to believe. It's not necessarily just indoctrination or brainwashing, although I that stuff does happen. Again, there's been a lot of pain and drama and chaos and awful things caused by the churches, caused by religion, caused, caused by the idea of God. And the same would be true for science too, right? Um, one of the things I learned from acting, it's it's a really, really good, really good, really good technique, really good tip. Always flip the script. Always flip the script. And and if we are in a situation right now in the United States where you um your party is the party that's in power and you are dealing with policies, but you're cool with the policies because your party is the party in power, um, flip the script. What if it's the other party in power? If it's the other party in power, are you still cool with the policies that are happening? You know, um, and, and again, it doesn't matter what the issue is. Always flip the script. So for those of us who have come to believe because through whatever experiences we've had in life, we've had to dig deep. And at the end of the day, you know, on your deathbed, you know, it's it's who are we with? We're with ourselves and whatever we believe the mystical universal energies are, even if it's just chemistry, you know, whatever it is, it's us. And um, I, this is what I think I'm going to call the podcast because uh, it's another thing on my notes here is... Um, I remember when I went to AA meetings, and no, I am not an alcoholic, and I've never had a problem with alcohol or drugs. I've never done drugs. I'm one of those goody-goody two-shoe girls. Um, I, I rebel by being skinny. That's that's how I rebel. I just don't eat. Um, but when I was – so the first time I'd ever gone to an AA meeting – I didn't really even understand why we were going. It was part of my hospitalization for anorexia. So for those of you who don't know, um, when I was 17, I was hospitalized for anorexia at 80 pounds. Uh, by the time I was 25, 24, 24, 25, I was in treatment four more times. And then at 30, I was 200 pounds and suicidal. And I just, I just had to find a different way. I could not kill myself because I couldn't do that to my mother, but I couldn't keep living the way that I was living. So I had to find a different way to live. And and that kind of began this whole happy calories don't count journey. This this grew out of that moment in time where we are today. So anyway, when I was in the hospital, one of the things that they made us do is they made us go to AA meetings. And I just so didn't get it. I'm like, what? You know, I just, I just, didn't get it. You know, I was I was wrapped up in myself. I was wrapped up in the stuff. I was I was just angry, confused, trying to kill myself by not eating, you know, all this all this stuff. Um and then the next time I'd heard about it or thought about it again, I was in my early 20s, I was acting, I was part of an acting troupe and really suffering. Like like really had just no will to live, just like really miserable. It was it was just a really, really, really dark time. And I remember being in the theater and one of the guys that was in the acting troupe, he just walked by and he just looked so light and so free and so happy. And I was like, oh, I want that. You know, and, and I said something. I was like, oh, wow, you just look so great. You just look so happy. And he's like, just taking it one day at a time, baby. And I knew that he and I also knew that he was someone who was in recovery. So he took me to an AA meeting. And again, you know, it didn't really resonate, you know, whatever. But then when I was in grad school, 
It was also a really dark time. I've had lots of really dark times in my life, but it was a really, really dark time in my life. I was struggling mightily. I was alone. Um, I didn't really have any friends. And and being in grad school is a very different experience than being an undergrad, um, especially where I was. The, the campus is was geared to undergrad events, undergrad, you know, committees, social, just be, the undergraduate lifestyle. And as a grad student leave, living off campus, um, I, I couldn't really interface with college life that way. And I again, I, I was off in a town by myself. I didn't really have any friends. It was very lonely. And so to just be able to have some sense of community and be able to just kind of be okay, I found an open AA meeting. And I went there every day, um, Monday through Friday, when that meeting was, because speaking the principles of the 12 steps were were very healing for me. And, and what, was, what was also really interesting is that I... Um, because my issues were not drugs or alcohol, because my issues were food, I could hear the principles in a different way. And one, like step two, like step one is like you you acknowledge that you have no control over alcohol and your life has become unmanageable. And then at step two is you came to believe. You came to believe in a power greater than yourself. And a lot of people struggled with it. A lot of people struggle. It's like, I don't believe in God. How do I believe in God? You know, I can't, like, you can't, you can't compel me to believe something I don't believe. And so what they would do is they would say, well, just, you know, believe in the door, doorknob. It doesn't matter. But something else is higher than your will that is being um, perverted with this addiction. So it's like, just believe in the doorknob. And they also used to call um, God, They some people would say, well, it's just good orderly direction. So I think that's what I might call this podcast, you know, good orderly direction. Um, and again, I'm not telling anyone what you should believe. I'm trying to build a bridge between the the sciency people, the religion of the science versus the religion of God, so that we can let our similarities unite us because we are similar in more ways than you think. But with this labeling and the dismissing that's going on right now, um, it, it you can't even really have a real conversation. And since I have my own podcast and I can wax philosophical, even if it takes almost an hour. By golly, that's what I'm going to do. So my hope and my prayer for you is that somewhere in this, it, it gave you permission to take a beat and take a breath and be okay as you are. You're totally perfect as you are. You do not need to change anything about yourself. You don't need to be a better you. You just need to allow you to be. You are awesome just the way you are. But you know what? That's also true of everyone else. Everyone else is also okay just how they are. And what's going on right now is that we are letting our differences divide us rather than let our similarities unite us. And that is what is feeding all of this fear. Ooh, fear. So another thing from AA is like they would say for, fear is forgetting everything's all right. You know, so yeah, look up the 12 steps. Hey, hey, they, they've got a they've got a lot of great, a lot of great slogans. And yeah, and I even wrote about this. Um, so circling it back to happy calories and food is not a four-letter word and all that stuff. I wrote about this in in the book. Um uh, in the FAQs of food is not a four-letter word. Someone asked me like what I thought about 12-step programs. And you know what? They're awesome for what they do, right? Now, for alcohol and for drugs. Uh, for things like that, that you can literally cut out of your life, they are awesome. You can go and live a vibrant, full, happy life without ever touching another drug or drop of alcohol again in your life. It's a different thing when it comes to food, right? You can't not eat. And so I, um, in when I I was in school. I was in school for grad school for a year and a half. So that first year, it was doing all of the coursework. And then that um, that last semester, I was student teaching. So that first year, I could go to that AA meeting. Once I started student teaching, my schedule changed. And the only meeting I could get to was an OA meeting. And that was a disaster. It was disastrous. Why? Because they were trying to apply the 12 steps 
based around a substance that you can eradicate from eradicate there i can speak eradicate from your life they're trying to use the 12 steps of something that you can cut out of your life to apply to something that you cannot cut out of your life to something you need to be in relationship with so i don't think that OA is effective because what they're doing is they're doing the 12 steps trying to be okay in diet drama land. And, I, and I've talked about this at length on other podcasts too. There's, there's diet drama land and there's happy calories world. Their diet drama land is the diet and exercise model and everyone is trying to heal all the pain and dysfunction by jumping through loops from within the transaction-based framework of the diet and exercise model. If you switch to a transaction-based model of happy calories don't count, it's relationship-based. You don't need the 12 steps. You just got my five. The five steps of happy calories don't count. And it creates miraculous transformation. So I will let you noodle on that. I've already spoken for an hour. I will let you go and I will talk to you next time. Take care. Bye. If you enjoyed this program, help it out. Give it a like, subscribe, follow, share. You know the drill. If you want to learn more about me, my books, programs, and services, visit my website, carmelaramalia.com. And don't worry, if you can't spell my name, you can also always find me at happycalories.com. Take care.